Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. A lot of us talk about having a favorite person. And the stereotype is that our person is likely the person we are in a romantic relationship with. But there are a lot of different constellations of who qualifies as our person. Our people are often primary planets in our personal galaxies, and sometimes they are the sun, the person that all the other planets orbit. Sometimes they're the gravitational pull that helps keep us grounded and connected. And when that person dies, our entire galaxy gets upended. We lose the predictable patterns and interactions that directed our lives up to that point. For Dr. Julie Shaw, that person, her favorite person, was her sister, Jennifer. Jennifer was Dr. Shaw's older sister, someone she'd looked up to as brave and strong and kind and loving. Jennifer died of lupus in February of 2020, just before the pandemic took hold here in the United States. Her sister's death left Dr. Shaw trying to figure out who she was and how their family would function without Jennifer, who was a daughter, a mother, a nurse practitioner, and as Julie describes her, the glue of their family. In traversing her personal grief, Dr. Shaw decided she wanted to create a community for others to feel supported and understood. From this, she created Hello, I'm Grieving a social media account where she shares openly about her grief while also inviting others to share theirs. In our conversation, we talk about what made Jennifer Dr. Shaw's favorite person and what it's meant to start Hello, I'm Grieving. We also talk about how grief is changing their family dynamics, the interplay of grief and Dr. Shaw's work as an equity and inclusion consultant, and what it means to become more confident in our grief. Okay, here's my conversation with Dr. Julie Shaw. Dr. Julie Shaw, thank you so much for joining me for Grief Out Loud today. I'm excited to talk with you and learn more about Hello, I'm Grieving. Thank you. As I said before, I'm super excited to be here. You know, if there's any part of my story that can help somebody out, then I'm here for that. Let's start with kind of what brought you to this project and to this work. And that's your sister, Jennifer, who died in February of 2020. And, you know, you've described her as your favorite person. And I wondered, could you share a little bit about like what made her your favorite? Yeah, I I can just say, you know, people talk about their siblings and sometimes you hear sibling rivalry or the fights that you got in growing up. And my sister and I would always say that we were different in that sense, that, that we never really fought. (laughs) We never really, you know, went through that rivalry, even though she would say that I was the favorite. And she was, you know, for the most part, she was okay with that, I guess. (laughs) And she just was my favorite person and, and still is because even realizing now just how she was the glue that kept our family together, how she persevered through everything 
in life. She passed away from lupus, which is an autoimmune disease. And she was diagnosed with that um, at the age of 16. And so seeing how she dealt with that and also how she just raised her two kids. And at a time she was a single mother, um, pursued her education. She was just such a good role model, really the best sister that you can ask for. That was what you think of that, what you would want. Somebody there to be your friend, somebody there to help you whenever you call, whenever you need them to care for you, to support, you know, support you just to love you for who you are and, and every part of who you are. Yeah. What's not to like about that <laughs> and have, if, if you, if you have your person, you know, it's, it's kind of like on Grey's Anatomy where Meredith and Christina, how they have that relationship of that's my person when she was alive. And, and even now she still is. Well, and sometimes, you know, when you think about the people in our lives who have died, we miss, you know, who they were and how they inspired us and, and what they contributed to the world and to us. And sometimes we miss how they knew us. And I wonder, like, how did your sister know you in a way that maybe other people don't? Gosh, this is why you do what you do. That's a really great question. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I think even as you ask that, I'm asking myself in my head, and thinking, yeah, how, how would she see me? How would she view me? I can recall, um, this is actually a story that, that I've kind of posted about on Hello, I'm Grieving, is when my sister was in the hospital, there was a moment when she told me, you're such a good person. That was something that I always struggled with to where I would always be very self-judgmental I'd be hard on myself, perfectionist, all the different ways you can call it, um, and would always wonder, you know, am I good enough Or even the pressures that I felt to succeed? She, again, was able to see that in me, and even hearing it from her, uh, I think that really affirmed and gave me the ability and permission to see myself as a good person, and to really own that and to step into it. So I'm really grateful that she um, saw me that way. And especially she's known me since birth. <laughs> so she probably would be able to be the best judge of that. I think she also saw me as an interesting person <laughs> because we were also opposites. My sister might be the introvert of our family, a little bit more introverted. However, once you got talking to her, she would be really social. Uh, and then people might label me as an extrovert. I think even as I am publicly grieving, right? She would always say, gosh, you're doing all these different things and amazing things. And yes, you know, it was also due to her lived experience is very different than mine to where she did leave the house at 18. She did raise two kids on her own. You know, she did put herself through school and that changes a person that defines a person that also allows for different experiences. And so where I did go to school on a scholarship, I did play collegiate basketball and was able to play professionally and travel the world where those were different experiences that, that we just had. And again, just speaking to the character of who she was, she never, you know, indicated in any way <laughs> that she was jealous or that she coveted, you know, that or held anything against me. 
because of that. And it, it really allowed me to be myself and to know that I was supported even by her. And I also think that she would view me as a risk taker <laughs> to where I was willing to, you know, try new things, try different careers. Maybe that's something that she would want to try too. But I will always say, like, as much as I feel like she, quote unquote, I'm doing the air quotes with my hands right now, <laughs> and look, looked up to me in that sense. I for sure thought she was the better person. I looked up to her um, in so many different ways. She was also a nurse practitioner. Just the fact that I'm like, you're saving lives. That compares to nothing to what I do on a basketball court or anything along those lines, or no matter how many people I might meet um, or experiences that I have, that you're doing something quite amazing. And that's one thing with grief is I always question, does she really understand how I saw her? You know, I was just thinking you talked about kind of looking up to your sister as someone whose work was contributing to other people's lives so directly by helping save their lives. And after your sister died, you're inspired to start, you know, your your work with Hello, I'm Grieving, which is also now making a difference in people's lives directly. And I you know, I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about the the project, the work, um, kind of what inspired you to start it and, and just a little bit about it. Yeah, I think even looking back, going to when I was talking about how my sister said, you're such a good person. And that's really stuck with me to the point of how can I really live that? You know, how can I um, keep her spirit living on? And I feel like we're doing this together. That's one thing that I've noticed is I feel like I'm doing this with her. And it's another way that through my grief, I can still um, experience her, do something with her, create something with her and, and serve other people. I think she saw that in me, that I was always someone who wanted to serve others. And I did it in a different way than she did. And so with Hello, I'm Grieving, it really... I feel like I can remember the moment where that phrase just came to me. I was walking, you know, on the sidewalk outside of my house and it was, it was kind of like, hello, I'm grieving like to myself. <laughs> um, but it was also just that claiming of that identity to really just say, yeah, I'm grieving, you know, and, and really saying hello to that, acknowledging the grief in that moment and I felt that it had a, it had some freedom in that. And, and it kind of had this feeling where if I could um, accept it, acknowledge it, welcome it, and really understand it's going to be a part of my life from here on out. And also wondering why there's some shame in that. Why, why again, and this is probably a reoccurring theme that you hear from folks is why aren't we talking about it? So I'm grateful for a podcast like this and, and just, you know, how could I um, reach other people? And of course, in this day and age, I was like, Instagram, sure. Let's, let's, let's start there. <laughs> I, of course, I'm a big vision person and I have a big vision for Hello, I'm Grieving. However, I knew at that point in my grief, that's all I could handle. 
And I also uh, had listened to another um, social media outlet and they talked about how, yes, some people will start posting about their grief and they recommended don't tell anyone, just start it, use it to where you can explore your own grief and then see where it goes because sometimes it just falls off. It's another way that we can, you know, manage our grief, cope with our grief. So I tried it. I said, okay, I'm not going to tell anyone that I'm doing this. I'm just going to start posting and see where it takes me. And so when I started doing it, I was just consumed with it. And I just found another type of, you know, outlet that I felt like by giving back to other people, talking about it more, adding more visibility, awareness, even education to it, uh, it allowed other people to connect. And the grief community is strong. Uh, I have loved being a part. I know that sounds, you know, out of sorts. I love being a part of the grief community, but it is a very strong, supportive community uh, from my experience thus far. And I think that's even with the title of it, right, is how am I saying hello to other people? How am I saying hello? I'm grieving, too. And for other people to see that, you know, in me. Uh, and for me to see it in them is it's another form of connection. So it really is this connection with other people and at the root of it and at the foundation of it, it's the connection to my sister. So on your Instagram account, you share other people's stories, your stories, other aspects of grief. And I'm wondering in that, has there been a part of your grief that you've been the most maybe hesitant or fearful about kind of going public with? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> um, that is, you know, I actually, it was very fearful in the beginning to just talk about my experience with my sister because, and, and I'll be honest, there's still some times where I question, will people judge me for this? And I'm still working out where all that comes from, <laughs> even though I have a good idea it really does start with the visibility and openness that our culture, our society has surrounding grief. Uh, but most recently, which I'm still kind of dipping my toe in and kind of putting myself out there because I did when I started it, I wanted to be authentic. Like I, I couldn't do this without being honest. And I knew that was going to push me outside my comfort zone. But, you know, most recently, my wife and I have been trying to have a baby. And so there's a lot wrapped up into that. It's something that we knew could have its challenges, but right now it's this process of where we've been trying for probably close to two years now and where I've never really known about infertility. I Now I'm looking back and I see so many parallels. I'm like, nobody taught us about grief even though we know that people are going to pass away and die and nobody taught us about possible infertility problems or, or these type of women's health issues. Um, even though we know that women are having babies and it's hush hush when, when women aren't having babies, right. Um, and how it can be done in so many different ways and what it's like for different partners out there that are trying to, to make this happen. So that's where I'm pushing myself. That's where I'm even learning more about that. And I'm joining different infertility groups, which have been helpful just as much as my grief groups have been helpful. I'm also just seeing the parallels with, you know, that there is grief and infertility and seeing the intersections there. 
so that's been something very new. And I, again, just as much as I've been talking about my grief, there have definitely been people who can identify with infertility as well. So that that's one that it is a little bit scary <laughs> jumping into, but again, it, it's really one of the taglines that I have is, and that I've learned throughout my life is when you share your story, it allows other people to share theirs. And so I just want to help people, you know, get the strength to, to share. And to broaden kind of like what the label of grief and loss encompasses, you know, that it's not just the fact that we've had people in our lives die, even though that's what this show is so focused on, but there's so many other losses that I, that don't get a lot of airtime as well. And so appreciating bringing the grief and the loss of infertility into this realm as well. And, you know, you mentioned uh, culture, like our culture, and then you mentioned intersections. And I think about the idea that, you know, your other work has been in being a consultant for diversity and equity and inclusion and wondering, like, what do you see as the interplay and the overlap between that work and and grief? Oh, so much. Grief has opened my eyes to so many things. That's where grief has actually added to my life. When sometimes we think grief takes away. And of course, by no means would I have wanted to learn all these lessons or, or learn, you know, oh yeah, sure. Great. That's a great addition to, to have that happen the way that it did. Um, and, but, and with that said, it's, it has intersected with the work that I do. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a leadership consultant where I do have an emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And as I have been going into these different companies and talking with different leaders um, within these organizations, I can't help, you know, as I'm talking about intersection of race, intersection of, you know, family dynamics, intersections of financial ability, how can I ignore the grief? Just like, you know, right, hello, I'm grieving. That is now a part of my identity. And that will be with me um, throughout my life and how these different pieces of our identity can change. But with that intersection happening, I just see even, you know, culturally, what does it look like to grieve? You know, for me, I'm half Black and Filipino and I'm American. So it's like, what does that look like in America? What does grief look like globally? What does, you know, grief look like in the Filipino culture versus the black culture um, and, and seeing how that that arises? Or I was just writing today about and asking the question, you know, where where are the men in, in this grief space? Because even looking at the intersection with grief and gender, I can't help but ignore a majority of the people who follow are women. Um, when I was taking my, uh, when I was becoming certified to be a grief educator, and this is me with identity. I, I always ask the question, I'm like, does anybody else do this when they get on a, a, a big Zoom call? I automatically scroll to see one, are there people that look like me, you know, identifying as a black woman. And then I also look at, you know, um, are there any men, you know, the people that um, identify as men in the group? And it's kind of slim to none. And so, so even those, those things that how I'm looking at, how am I more aware, you know, where is grief showing up? Where do people feel more comfortable to express their grief? What are the different cultural 
celebrations or, um, you know, practices that people do surrounding death and grief and loss. Um, and I find that interesting. So, um, when I go into these corporations, even in organizations, say I'm thinking I'm teaching leaders about empathy, right? There's a lot of empathy that leaders should have in the workplace, not, and especially with it being a lot of work from home and virtual people are quite literally in each other's homes now. Uh, and they're learning a lot more about them and, you know, compound that with a pandemic and everything else that's going on in the world, you know, whether it's social justice um, or different, you know, shootings that, that are happening, that people are coming and carrying different emotional burdens. And how as leaders are we seeing that in the workplace and then supporting them? So I know that was a long-winded question. Like I get, I get really passionate about it, especially now that these two worlds are colliding because I do, I see things through a whole different lens. Now I see people through a whole different lens and I want to continue to increase my awareness, but then also help other people do that as well to think about things um, in a different way. Well, it's a really big question, so it deserves maybe a whole episode. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say that. that it would take some time. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and as you're talking, I think too about there's the idea that our, you know, we don't have one culture, so it's hard to say our culture, but like in general, grief doesn't always have a lot of space in our current world. And that's like literal space and then also abstract space. And I think about folks who, for a variety of reasons, don't have access to the physical time and space to be in their grief. People who do not have time off of work, people who possibly, you know, are working two jobs at the same time and there's no way to schedule a time off from that or childcare responsibilities or other obstacles that stand in the way based on different aspects of our identity. Um, so there's, yeah, that that is a big question that deserves a very long answer. So I appreciate you trying to succinctly get into it. Oh, I mean, I, I love even hearing that come from you because in my head, I'm like, you get it. Like you understand this. And, and even those things that, that you just said, I'm like, yeah, you know, I might not have said it like that, but I've thought about like, what does that look like? And some of those things you said, yeah, I haven't thought about that. And I need to, again, draw more awareness. And um, I just love how you said whether they have the time and space and, and if they are juggling two different jobs and, and will their employers be able to show them some grace and empathy with that and, and understand, you know, how can I support them so that, you know, and, and I hate to say this, but it's, it's, if they can't see that side of it. And sometimes I have to talk in these terms to some leaders where I'm like, okay, some people will push back and they'll say, well, Julie, we need to get the job done. We need to, we need to reach these goals and I'll, you know, gently push back and I'll, I'll just say, you know, Hey, you work with people. So if you aren't investing the time to understand the people you work with uh, and support them to help them thrive, then how is it going to be a success? I wanted to hop back to something you mentioned earlier in our conversation about your sister and her being kind of the glue of your family. And, you know, this is something a lot of people run into when someone in their life dies is that the family dynamic can change so drastically. And I, I wonder how did that play out for you and your family? I think it's still playing out. I think this is something that a lot of families may experience 
because people are going to react to a death and a loss in many different ways. That's one thing that I didn't think about, you know, and at first I was judgmental of the way other people in my family were grieving. Uh, and, you know, and on top of that, judging my own grief. <laughs> so, um, so that dynamic um, comes up, but then again, through, through my certification and, and educating myself is not to judge. Right. And I think that's where a lot of relationships actually break down, not necessarily because of the grief that people are holding, but it's the judgment of each other's grief. And so that really resonated with me to where I had to pull back and just respect that it's going to show up in different ways and people are, are coping with it in different ways and that's okay. And so, um, you know, with the family, I think how it's playing out right now is I'm trying to figure out. So then by default, do I need to be the glue now? You know, where I said my sister was the best big sister to where she did do everything. She did take care of me and she took care of other people. So now whose responsibility is that? And I do feel the pressure of that. That has to be me. And, you know, my sister has two kids and they're in their early twenties. And I know these are very formative years for them. And how do I not try to be like their mom and still be me and still help them? Their mom was their everything. And their mom was always there. And how can I communicate to them in the way that they want to be communicated to? How can I help them and support them in ways that maybe their mom did for them? But, you know, I guess do it in my own way. Like I've always been their aunt. I've always been a part of their life. It's just I feel like the role has changed and I haven't quite figured out where I fit in. To, to that role. Same thing with my parents is, you know, they were, they were raised so differently culturally. You know, my dad is from the South in Louisiana and my mom is an immigrant from the Philippines. I kind of think in both of those cases, <laughs> no matter where they came from globally is that they don't talk about it. And so that was hard for me to understand What's the dynamic there? I'm the child and they're the parent in understanding, you know, I lost a sister, they lost a daughter, the impact of that. And then also, well, I still need my parents to be there for me when maybe they can't or they don't know how. And how can I also be there for them when same thing, I don't know how. And, and trying to figure all of that out. So right now that that's what plays out in my head a lot is how can I help support, which is interesting because I, I do often feel that how can I so openly support strangers <laughs> in the Hello I'm Grieving community? Uh, but when it comes close to home, that offers me a lot more challenges there. It can be so much more charged with the people that we're closest to. Like, I think that's what the the success of uh, support groups can be is that you come together with people you don't know and you don't have to talk to about family dinner or grocery shopping or anything else after you sit down for an hour and a half and share kind of maybe some of your deepest emotional heartbreak 
you don't have to then deal with logistics or other historical dynamics with them. True. Yeah. Those historical dynamics are real because, you know, (laughs) you have that family history where there's so many other things that that were causing conflict when that person was alive. So then now and even say for my sister, when those family challenges were happening, that's the first person I would call that just knew me you know, that, that understood, I didn't have to explain anything. I didn't have to ask for advice outwardly. It was just being there that you just knew instinctually that if I just call my sister, she's going to know, and, and it, and it's going to be okay. And just having that type of support. Now, when that's removed, then what do you do? How do you process it? How are you able to communicate with your other family members without that person? When you made two really great points, the first is around how quick we can be to judge other people's grief while simultaneously judging ourselves, which I sometimes think those things are interconnected in a way that as we become more confident in the way that we're grieving, the more capacity we have to make space for the ways other people are grieving that's different than us. And that early on in the process, if we're feeling lost and unmoored and a little insecure about how we're doing it, we want other people to be doing it the way we're doing it so that we feel better about it. And then once we're like, oh, this is mine, you can have yours, that makes it a little easier. And then the, you know, the second part you mentioned is that family dynamics change and they change because the roles we play in the family have to change to accommodate the absence of the person who played a particular role. And, and so there's those two things happening, those historic family dynamics, but then also maybe stepping into a different aspect or role, um, which is a big learning curve for a lot of people and can cause a lot of uh, challenge and conflict. So, you know, in your work with Hello, I'm Grieving, there's also Hello, You're Grieving, because you are on the receiving end of people sharing their stories of grief with you. And I wonder, what has it been like to be witness to those stories? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, forgive me if anybody has been on the, my, my page and I haven't said hello to you, but I do make it a point that every time I see a person follows, I send them a message and I do say hello. And, um, I do get people that are very surprised that an actual real person said something to them. And I think it breaks the walls down and it, it shows that connection, which I'm happy if it does. And people will share, people will share their story. They'll even just give me a little bit of a background um, and, and share the, the life of, of their person. And for me, it sometimes I will say it does get heavy. And so I have to monitor that, you know, to, for, for my own uh, wellness and, and mental health as well. Uh, but I have found the good in it. And, and it it motivates me. And when people do that, I'll tell them, I'm like, thank you. I'm like, this is going to motivate me to keep going on or when I'm having grief days, but to see how other people are grieving and how simply this, this need for connection is big, especially even going back to the family dynamics or even friend dynamics where they may not be getting it from the people in their lives how can this be an outlet where they, where they can? And I encourage people, you know, as they're commenting, say hello to other people and realize, you know, it's not, it's not only hello, I'm grieving, hello, you're grieving, but hello, we're grieving. When they share those stories, it shows me the vastness of grief. It shows me the depth of grief. It shows me that there's still joy in grief because some people, they'll be delightful 
when they, and you think some people will all be sad or diminished, but there are some people that are still, you know, celebrating life, finding joy. They're integrating that um, within their grief process. So that's also really good to see. And Jill, you mentioned that, you know, there's times when it gets heavy being with other people in their grief, but just carrying your own grief as well. And I wonder, you know, what's helping you recently? Good question. I think, I think it is the community. I really think it is the community showing a need for this. They're showing, you know, that it's helping them. People will say that, you know, thank you for, for posting about this. Thank you for talking about this. Um, or some people are like, thank you for just listening. <laughs> and, you know, to where I know I don't even need to reply, but giving them that outlet. And I think that feeds my soul for sure. And it, it gives me that higher purpose. And like I said, connecting it back to my sister, it really feels like we're working on something together and continuing to be good people, continuing to give back to others, because that's really what she did. She was very selfless. And, and to be able to carry a lot of the, the weight of other people around her, even in her sickness, she was still thinking about others to where I think she, she was in, in the hospital bed as she was for those, those, those last months. And I was trying to get work done simultaneously. And I was sitting there in the hospital room with her and she was just like, oh, like, cause I wanted to turn off the light. And she's like, no, you can keep the light on. Like you need to finish your work. And I'm like, no, but even I, it, it always blew my mind that even in that situation, she was still thinking about me. I mean, there are other things I little, little tips are just, I schedule time for myself to where I know that I need to take purposeful time off. Um, and there are times when I, I have said to the community that like, Hey, especially when I found out that my second IVF transfer didn't work, I had to take a break and I let people know like, Hey, I need to take a grief break and it's really heavy right now. So I'm going to, you know, be gone for a minute <laughs> and then I will come back. I'll be rejuvenated so that I can continue to give more. So it, it is about that intentionality and, and knowing, you know, where do I need to, to take a pause? For listeners who are intrigued and want to connect with your community of Hello, I'm Grieving, what's the best place for them to find you? Yeah, I would love for people to say hello. <laughs> I would love to meet you all. Uh, you can find me at Hello, I'm Grieving on Instagram. And then I also have a website. Um, which is www.helloimgrieving.com. So pretty, pretty easy to remember. It's, it's pretty consistent. And I'll be, you know, creating more things. The vision is to create more meetups um, to where we can even do surfing grief groups. I am here in LA um, and been talking about doing that and hosting it or, or different grief walks providing more resources and then ultimately, ultimately creating a grief awareness brand where people can, I wear a bag out. So I wear a bag out that my sister-in-law made and it says, hello, I'm grieving on it in all big, bold print. And sometimes I do it for a little bit of shock value, <laughs> but I will say I also do it because I do want visibility. I do want awareness and I do want edu education. And I felt like, you know, even continuing to even build a, a, a grief awareness brand as, as I'm figuring all this out in my head, as I go, is yeah, you know, if people can see it, you know, and they're confronted with it, then what is their response? And I've gotten like, I cannot tell you every time I wear that bag out, 
somebody identifies with it. And it, it hasn't been met with like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, um, you know, she has that. It's more so like I'm grieving too. And it allows other people to then connect in that way and say hello. So a, a lot of things coming down the pipeline. So I really hope other people are open to um, joining the community and, and being there to support as I will be there to support you. Well, that bag would solve the perennial conversation that comes with a lot of consternation in so many of our groups, which is when and how do I tell people who don't know that someone in my life has died? So if they could just wear a bag or a yes. t-shirt, really take care yeah. of it. Yeah. So I have a big vision, like I said, and, and I can't stop thinking about it. And um, so I am going to hopefully take, take some time off to really invest in it more and to continue to grow the community. Well, Dr. Julie Shaw, thank you for the work that you're doing, for, you know, continuing on kind of the legacy of your sister in this work and for taking time to talk with me and to share with our listeners. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And I I hope it's helped at least one person out there. That's always my goal um, whenever I share. So thank you again for having me on. And listeners, I say it each and every time, but thank you for being part of our community, for making this show mean what it does. If you would like to reach out to me directly, you can email me at griefoutloud at Dougie, D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G. That's also our website, D-O-U-G-Y dot O-R-G, where you can find all of our past episodes, as well as all of our our free downloadable resources and more information about our local programming. So thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.